Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want a bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the NFL Week 7 Fantasy Flex on the Action Network Podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the Editor-in-Chief of Fantasy Labs. With me is Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is our Director of Predictive Analytics and one of the top in-season fantasy football rankers for the past half decade. And Chris is a Senior Editor and Analyst at the Action Network and a co-host of the Action Network Show on Sirius XM Fantasy Radio. Gentlemen, how was Week 6? pretty much a break-even week for me. I came down to earth a little bit, so it was, it was break-even for me. <laughs> I know I know, I went 5-0 on my picks against Stucky on the Thursday version of this podcast, so I can't believe that the that Jared Goff couldn't throw for 100 yards. That was, that was nuts. <laughs> In this episode, we're breaking down players at the top of our rankings, available at actionnetwork.com slash fantasy. We are discussing the guys we're high and low on. We are speculating on some props, and at the end of the show, we're answering your Twitter fantasy questions. And joining us for all of that goodness is Jeff Collins, Jeff El Jefe, one of the best daily fantasy sports players ever to open a spreadsheet, a founder of Rotopass with Matthew Berry, and the proprietor of Numberball.com. Jeff, thanks for joining us. What's up, guys? Yeah, this is going to be fun. This is a lot earlier in the week than I even typically start looking at stuff. So I'm going to be pretty bad at this, but I'm going to do my best. All right. Well, uh, instead of looking forward to week seven, let's just take a second to look back at week six. Uh, Never really a dull week in the NFL. Uh, Any big picture takeaways that you have from the week that was? Uh, the, The Texans are good. I really like the Texans this year. I bet Deshaun Watson went MVP and everything, and he struggled for a bit there. And it looks like that offense starting to come around with Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins. It's even hard to choose which of those two guys is the number one right now. All right. Well, you mentioned uh, Deshaun Watson there. I think that's a a good place to start. I'm relatively high uh, on him this week in our rankings, uh, but the top three that we have uh, collectively in our rankings, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Do you think Deshaun Watson should be in the top three this week? What are your top three right now? 
Yeah, I think that he should be in the top three basically every week. He's kind of like the 1B to Mahomes maybe where it's like matchups don't even matter. You, you kind of just want that guy, especially in DFS where it's not like he's ever going to be super chalky. He's not going to be like over 20% ever really. Quarterbacks never get that high. So he's up there this week. Mahomes not on the main slate. So you're looking at him and uh, probably Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray going up against the Giants is going to be an interesting one as well. The one that's a, a little bit, I don't know if he's sneaky or not, but uh, Josh Allen coming back from injury, going up against the worst defense. He's at home. Be interesting to see if he has the the rushing upside coming off that injury if he's brave enough to, to run the ball a little bit. All right, Rayvon, Jeff there just mentioned Josh Allen. I believe he's someone who is high in your rankings. What do you see with him and uh, anyone else you are high on this week? Well, with Josh Allen, it, you know, we, he's going to run the football, I think. Uh, but but the thing about the Miami Dolphin pass defense is he does not need to run the football. Uh, this is one of those defenses that he can have success at. They're pretty much ranked last in every uh, pass defense metric. And it was kind of similar to how the Giants came into, I think it was that week two matchup when they were just a mess. I think they're a little bit better now. Uh, but this Dolphins defense, we didn't really see them get scored on a ton because, of course, Bill Callahan takes over for Jay Gruden. And he's like, we got to give our 30, you know, mid 30 year old running back all these carries. And so you didn't really see it kind of come to fruition, but um, you know, this is going to be a matchup that Josh Allen can shred. And if for some reason the Dolphins hang with him, uh, he will, I think he will run around. So I'm looking for a big game uh, from him on the ground through the air, however it may come. All right, Sean, you have Russell Wilson number one in the rankings, and Raybon and I have him uh, number two, so we're pretty much right there with you, but what do you see with Russell Wilson to bump him up all the way to number one? Yeah, so I love Russell Wilson this week. Uh, right now, I'm as my QB1, like you mentioned. Um, you know, this Baltimore matchup isn't in, as imposing as people may think. Um, you know, they've allowed over 340 passing yards to Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, and Patrick Mahomes. Um, so, you know, obviously Russell Wilson is in that company. And the, the other three quarterbacks they face are absolute garbage. Um, so I would look too much into that. Uh, but he's, he's also running a lot more this year. You know, there's been uh, four games this year. He has six or more carries. Um, so that's big for his fancy outlook. And then, um, of course, he's got to throw an interception this year. I mean, the dude is just remarkably efficient. Um, and, you know, I was looking back the past three seasons. Um, he's thrown two or more touchdowns um, in 79% of their games which is just absolutely crazy. You know, having that kind of floor, you can bank on two pass touchdowns is, you know, super valuable. And this week, you know, there's the insane total. Uh, this matchup is uh, 50 and a half right now, uh, which I believe is the second highest. So just I love Russell Wilson this week. So that's why he's my number one. Yeah, one thing that always helps with Wilson is he's always near the top of the league leaders in uh, – targets to the end zone uh, so that always gives him the the opportunity to uh, to get touchdowns even though he's not throwing a lot of passes Jeff you said that you are high on Deshaun high on Josh Allen uh, is there anyone that you think you are particularly low on this week uh, man um, there are a couple guys that I just don't love the the volume that they're they're going to have in their projected matchups like Jimmy Garoppolo going up against the the Redskins where I don't even know if they're going to be challenged to pass at all against the Redskins. I'm I'm pretty high on the Niners overall that that defense being really good and I think the Niners are just going to have a a big lead the whole whole game and Shanahan's going to be wanting to run the ball as many ways as possible with as many guys as possible and Jimmy Garoppolo I'm not sure that the the volume's really going to be there for him. Sean, I think you're right there with Jeff on Garoppolo. In the rankings, you have him 15. Raybon and I are right there with you. We have him 16. I think we're all a little bit lower than the consensus. What are you seeing with Garoppolo? Yeah, I agree completely with Jeff there. 
he's a GPP fade. As Jeff mentioned, his ceiling's not going to be very high this week. They could just rely on the defense. And, you know, the running game is solid with uh, Coleman and Breeder right now. So I don't expect Garoppolo to have a big game. And he's 6K on DK. So, you know, I'd rather have a guy like Daniel Jones or even Goff to bounce back or Matt Ryan's at 6,300. So just at that price range, um, there's absolutely no reason to take Garoppolo with, you know, his reduced ceiling this week. And most weeks he's going to have a pretty low ceiling. Uh, just because this 49er defense is so good and the running game's clicking. Uh, but this week, especially against the Redskins, I, I don't know if the Redskins are going to be able to score enough points to even force Garoppolo to, to throw much here. Sean, you just mentioned preferring Daniel Jones to Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm barely there with you, although I'm still not all that high on Daniel Jones. He has a good matchup versus Arizona, but this is the game in which Patrick Peterson is slated to return. So I think that should boost the uh, the defense a little bit. And then Jones is still raw, and he's had some difficult matchups over the past couple of weeks. So I don't want to put too much stock in what we've seen out of him recently, but uh, he is a rookie and everything taken holistically. I think I would rather look elsewhere. Raybon, who are you looking to fade this week? Well, Phillip Rivers, um, the Chargers just really having a lot of issues with uh, the offensive line. I talked about it in our Action Network betting guide last week. You know, watch out for Chargers to kind of lay an egg because they had to put their center on IR, and that's never a good thing. It's, it's tough to get by with, and now they're playing the Titans in w- one of the lowest total games of the week. It's around uh, 40 of the total is, and, you know, they're going through their own quarterback problems. We know they love to run, so they're probably going to play it conservative. I think the Chargers are going to play it a little more conservative and try not to let the game get away from them early on in the the first half like they've been in the past and then Philip Rivers just throwing for a lot of yards late so I think it's going to be a little bit of a different game script kind of one of those ugly uh, lower scoring games that we usually see the Titans uh, play. Sean give us uh, an early look at a potential prop line that you were thinking of I should mention that the Fantasy Labs prop tool right now all of the bets that we have graded for this season with a bet quality of 10 are 124, 77, and 3, which is good for a 61% win rate. Uh, So definitely pleased with that. Everyone should check out the prop tool for more information. Sean, give us a prop. First prop at quarterback is Jared Goff's passing yards. Um, He has a great matchup this week uh, at Atlanta. It should be a shootout. But, you know, the last three games he's thrown for 517 yards, 395, and then last week 78. So he's really – he's a hard guy to peg. And, you know, as Jeff mentioned, this is very early in the week. We don't really have much to go off. So just I need your guys' help to kind of help sharpen this line. But right now my initial uh, projection for him is 270 and a half. Over – like San Francisco, I guess it, like people weren't expecting them to play that good defense. But if you were looking at their underlying metrics, uh, they are they, they came into that game against the Rams number three in success rate or in early downs. And they're still at the top of the league. The Atlanta Falcons are at the complete opposite of the league. They're, you know, bottom three team. And so yeah, you, you kind of couple that Sean McVay. We still don't know where the run game is with Gurley. Henderson did look good, but. You mentioned it. They threw. They threw for like. Uh, he threw for five hundred something. He threw for three ninety. And let's remember, like this Falcon team, they can score. Like Matt Ryan, can, he's completing passes out of the bazoo too. So like, I think this could be a shootout, and shootouts tend to bring more uh, passing yards. Yeah, I'm uh, easily on the over. And Jeff, I believe you quickly uh, said over as well there, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, this is the highest total on the slate, right? This is you would think going to be a, a huge shootout here in the dome. I would be shocked if Goff doesn't throw for over 300. I think he's going to be the absolute chalk in, in DFS this week. It's going to be kind of a guy where it's like you, you have to decide whether you're going to fade him or not because ownership. Uh, that's what I would imagine anyway. It's um, Tuesday, so who knows? But, yeah, I think that over 300 is feels feel pretty confident about that. 
Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right, let's go to the running backs. The players at the top of our rankings are Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, and Dalvin Cook. Jeff, uh, is there anyone else that you think should probably be in that top three, or do you think there's a pretty clear tier break there? Just in terms of kind of like overall raw production that we could expect to see a tier break there between those guys and everyone else? Yeah, we'll see if Saquon ends up playing because I think that you'd want to throw him up there. He's questionable, right? So that's someone I'd look at. Uh, Dalvin Cook is uh, probably going to be number one out of that group for me. I'm not super high on, on Zeke. So in, in my tier, I'm not sure that I'd have Zeke up there, but I agree with the other guys. And I think Saquon is, is who I'd throw up there if he ends up getting off the injury report. So, Jeff, I agree with you. Uh, All three of us have Cook in the top three. I'm the highest on him at number one. Uh, Run-heavy offense. He's a versatile player, good pass catcher. I think there's a lot to like about him uh, with his locked-in role. Jeff, who is someone else that you are relatively high on this week? Coming off that Monday night game, I'm I'm looking at Jamal Williams, who is really cheap. He's under 5K. If he ends up getting the bulk of the work, or even even if he doesn't get the bulk of the work and, and splits it pretty evenly, you just got to really like how that projects for him. When you when you look at Green Bay and their play calling, typically it's, it's just super standard where they pass a ton when behind and they run a ton with the lead. They should lead against the Raiders here at home. 82% of the time they're passing when trailing and 54% of the time only when they're leading. Uh, Aaron Jones fumbled and dropped a touchdown. Williams had 136 yards total on 18 touches. That's just kind of just jumps out at me as a, a really obvious play. All right, Sean, who are some players you are relatively high on? Uh, for me, uh, Josh Jacobs is number one. Um, you know, he's only 5K this week. We might not see as much recency bias after his huge uh, week five, given he had the bye week. You know, he might be lower owned than we realize. And he's seen two plus catches uh, in two straight games. So that's that's something I've been looking for, is if they'll involve him in the past game. It looks like they are. Uh, it seemed like they phased out Jalen Richard last game. He only played 15% of snaps. Granted, those were positive game scripts, so we'll, we'll need to see that out of them um, and what should be a trailing game script against the Packers. But, you know, we've seen Green Bay be uh, sort of a run funnel defense early in the season. So I, I love Jacobs at that price. Uh, and the other um, back I'm pretty high on, I have Philip Lindsay as more of a low-end uh, RB1 this week. I think this is a great matchup for him against the Chiefs. Uh, they've allowed four straight 100-yard uh, rushing games. And Josh Jacobs actually ran for 99 yards on them five games ago, so almost five straight. Um, and, you know, despite only seeing around 50% of snaps, this is such a run-heavy team that he's still, you know, guaranteed 15 and 20 touches. So, um, And he's also been getting the goal-line carry. So I, I love Lindsey this week. And it's worth pointing out that this week, the team's on a bye. Uh, it it kind of saps the top of the, the running back food chain, so to speak. You know, you have Chris McCaffrey, Nick Chubb, and James Conner on a bye. So a guy like Lindsey sort of gets a boost from that. All right, Raybon, uh, you have, I believe, Leonard Fournette, number one. Sean and I have him number two on our ranking. So we're, we're close to where you are, but what do you see that puts him uh, over the top? 
Dalvin Cook has obviously been amazing, but when it comes down to Fournette versus Cook, Fournette's playing over 90% of the snaps week in, week out. Uh, Cook, we saw in that last game, you know, you're seeing some Alexander Madison mix in. They're kind of using it almost like that Latavius Murray timeshare a little bit. There's really no one subbing in for Fournette, and he, their tight ends keep going, getting banged up, and he's catching four, five, six balls every single game. Uh, they just don't use a, a, a wide rotation on offense. It's pretty much Fournette, you know, and, and their starters at receiver and, and whatnot. And uh, since Cincinnati bottom five and early down run success rate on defense. So um, they can they can be run on. And on the other side, Jacksonville hasn't been very good against the run either. So I think a, a bounce back spot, like a sneaky bounce back spot for a, a guy like Joe Mixon, because it could be one of these games where both of these teams just try to run at each other and the, the running backs are just getting fed all game. And it's not like a real deep passing explosive type of situation. Yeah, and talking about Fournette, the, the Bengals linebackers are just so bad. And, I mean, they're especially exploitable in the passing game. And Fournette is a much better receiving back than people gave him credit for when he entered the league. Another factor that is in his favor for this weekend. Jeff, who is someone you are relatively down on? DJ, I'm kind of softening on as we start to see more Chase Edmonds. Of course, DJ a little bit banged up, but Chase Edmonds looks really good and he's looked good for about three weeks now. And it's just going to be hard for Arizona to keep him off the field because DJ doesn't look that great. I mean, he's getting all the usage. He's getting most of the snaps, most of the carries and really involved in the pass game, especially. But I'm, I'm worried about the threat of Chase Edmonds. All right, Sean, who is someone you are relatively down on? I'm, I'm looking through our rankings here. I see uh, I have Eckler at 18. You have him at 25, which means I'm almost certainly wrong. Uh, Raybon is with you at 25. Uh, what do you see in Eckler and then anyone else that is giving you pause? I'm down on Eckler this week. We knew that Gordon was going to take over Eckler's role, but, um, you know, he saw a season low of 45% snap rate last week. Part of that was, you know, it was a trailing game script. You know, the Chargers were down big. So you would figure that that would amplify his role a bit. So that was concerning to see. And this week it should be a close matchup at Tennessee. So I figure we're just going to see more Gordon. And, you know, Hunter Henry is back, looks great. Um, So now Eckler is probably fourth or fifth on the pecking order in terms of targets. And he's, you know, strictly the backup uh, to Gordon on carry. So, you know, when he's roughly the same price as Chris Carson, uh, he's completely off my radar this week in uh, DFS. And then, uh, you know, the other guy that I'm low on, just quickly mention him, is Alvin Kamara. He's clearly playing through this ankle injury. And I think, you know, the Saints, they really wanted to give him a true workhorse role while Breeze is out. But, you know, it's it's coming back to haunt him. And so I think they're going to just kind of limit him a bit. Uh, their buy is week nine. So I think that they'll just have Latavius Murray more involved the next couple games. Hopefully with a bye week, his ankle can get back to 100% and they can come back with Kamara and Breeze closer to 100%. So, you know, the next couple games, I would just be concerned about Kamara's workload. All right, Rayvon, who are you looking to fade? Aaron Jones kind of sticks out just for, you know, what Jeff mentioned. They were splitting work with him and Jamal Williams before before this as well. I think it was actually Williams when he got that concussion was in on one of the first plays on offense in that game. So I just think he's a little too uh, high, a little too pricey. Um, I have him a, 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 a lot further down the rankings, uh, barely in the top 20. It's just I have him splitting the workload a lot more evenly uh, with Jamal Williams. Now, this Raider defense is exploitable, and the Packers are very running back dependent in general. Um, they've kind of morphed that offense, but uh, we'll see what happens with Devontae Adams. But either way, I think uh, you can. it's kind of like an Eckler situation where, you know, the guy could go off. He's a talented guy. The quarterback is fine, but uh, you just don't want to invest that much in a guy who could potentially get less than 50% of the usage. 
The guy I am kind of looking to stay away from is Tevin Coleman. Uh, I have a pretty high opinion of the 49ers, and I think they are going to blow out the Redskins, which on the one hand could actually be good for Coleman, but it could also work against him in that I could see Breida and I could see Mostert actually getting much more of the rushing workload just because they don't need to use Coleman. So for me, it's a, a little bit of a, a stay away situation in part because I think it's almost too good for him. Uh, so that is someone I'm looking to stay away from. Sean. I say this knowing <laughs> that the prop you have coming up next is on Brita or Tevin Coleman. So I probably shouldn't have mentioned Coleman because I know you're going to change the line. But what do you have for us? Well, I mean, luckily, I just have it as a pick em, So uh, if I, <laughs> I could just make a line. But my question is, who will have more scrimmage yards this week, uh, Matt Breida or Tevin Coleman? You know, as Freeman mentioned, this, this is a great matchup. I think you can make a case for either running back um, having a big week or even both, I think. It might be contrarian, but you could stack both of them. So I'm just curious if you guys are leaning either way on these two backs. Yeah, I'll go with Brita. I have Coleman by two yards. Uh, so uh, just a couple, a little bit more of the uh, of the carry share. I actually do think he may see some extended usage in this game because I think it was the first game back against the Browns. They were up big late in that game, and he was getting carries in, in, late in that fourth quarter, uh, whereas Breida was kind of catching a lot of passes. So um, I have him two yards ahead. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> Yeah, I give Coleman the slight edge there. I haven't run our projections yet or anything, but Tevin Coleman's getting more of the rushes, and I think they're pretty even right now, or they were pretty even last week in receptions. So uh, slight edge to Coleman there for me. Yeah, I yeah. should just say, in terms of projections, I also have Coleman barely ahead, but I'm uh, staying on brand here, so I'm going to go with Brita just because <laughs> that's, that's what my take was. Yeah, and I, I mean, I could see a case where they're up – um, big enough that you see Mozart get a ton of carries. And, you know, I always look if Jeff Wilson's active, I kind of lower their uh, touchdown odds just because he seems to be the goal line back uh, for some reason. So uh, look out for if Jeff Wilson is inactive. I, I'll like these guys even more. How is it that the smallest back on the team is the <laughs> one that Shanahan fixates on as the goal line back when he's active? How unreal well, is that? Yeah, and I, I wonder if uh, now that check is out, if they won't use him. Because uh, he won't have that extra blocker. I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. They might use him as a lead blocking back. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Anything could happen in that offense. Here to give us his thoughts on animals and erectile dysfunction is Peter Jennings, a.k.a. CSURAM88, a two-time DFS world champion and co-founder of Fantasy Labs. Pete, which are you a bigger fan of, animals or erectile dysfunction? And please go into detail about your experiences with both don't have experience with erectile dysfunction. Fortunately, there's still time. But yeah, big fan of animals, love dogs, love cats. Wish I had something funnier to say, but ready for uh, week seven. Okay, let's get into the main slate here. What do you think you are going to do in terms of approaching cash games and GPPs? Yeah, I think this week is a very interesting week. Uh, not as many, well, with week six, we had the two standout games and there's some really good games this week, but I think uh, ownership will be spread out a little bit more uh, monitoring injury news. I assume Saquon Barkley is going to play. And I think he's going to be the centerpiece for a lot of people in this matchup. So uh, excited to build lineups. And I think that there's a lot of ways you can build teams and you don't have to focus so much on being contrarian. I think ultimately you'll be able to just play the guys that you think are the best plays. All right. At quarterback, who has caught your eye? Quarterback, I'm going to be looking at Daniel Jones and Kyler Murray. Uh, I love that game, and I, I think both plays make a lot of sense. We saw Kyler Murray have his best game. His rushing ability is just incredible, and Giants have just been a really bad defense. So he's probably my favorite play, and I also like Daniel Jones, assuming Saquon's back. 
Hopefully Evan Ingram is back as well. Uh, the Giants get healthy. I, I think that game has a lot of shootout potential, and uh, I want as many pieces as I can get. All right, so you mentioned Saquon as a potential centerpiece. Uh, I'm assuming you are looking at him in cash. Who else are you looking at? Yeah, Saquon's going to be a guy I'm definitely going to play. And then I think the next player that certainly has the volume and is going to be a popular play is going to be Leonard Fournette. I think he's a really good play against the Bengals, uh, who've just been an awful defense all year. And, you know, Leonard Fournette is getting Christian McCaffrey-type volume. So I think he's a really solid play. And then I'm looking to Tevin Coleman as well. I don't know if he's going to be a cash game play, but really like San Francisco in this game. They've been awesome all year. They're a great defensive team and really encouraging usage from Tevin Coleman coming back this last week. So he's someone I'm liking as well. Yeah, and San Francisco has also been very run heavy. So even if Matt Breida sees a significant share of the work, there could still be a lot to go around for Coleman. Especially against the Redskins who are just terrible. Yeah, especially against the Redskins. At wide receiver, who do you like? Yeah, wide receiver, I think there's a lot of options. I'm hoping Christian Kirk comes back. Larry Fitzgerald's still really cheap around the industry. I'm going to be targeting those Arizona receivers. At the high end, it's, it's tricky because you have some tough matchups. Uh, hopefully, DeAndre Hopkins can have a really big game here soon. On the other side of the ball, I really like T.Y. Hilton against the Texans. I think he's a strong play. And also, I'll be looking at Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, uh, keep to leave now on IR, and I think Atlanta will be able to throw the ball in this game. You mentioned Hilton there. He happens to be the top wide receiver at the top of my model. I am on him as well. Finally, tight end. Who do you like there? Man, Travis Kelsey, fortunately, is not on the main slate. That guy just keeps burning money for me. Uh, I like George Kittle quite a bit. Uh, I mentioned Evan Ingram earlier. Going to have to monitor injury reports. But assuming he plays, I think he's a really strong play. And then going a little bit cheaper, if you want to get, you know, a little more contrarian, I think there's a couple options um, that are interesting. We could see potentially Ricky Seals-Jones as a play. That's somewhat thin, but his usage is really starting to go up. And uh, I like Kyler Murray. And it's a nice way to be a little bit contrarian in that game. And then we'll see. I think that uh, Hunter Henry um, obviously had a huge game on Sunday Night Football, but the matchup against Tennessee and in Tennessee is a little tougher. So, I like Hunter Henry as a tournament play. I don't think he'll catch as much ownership even after a really big game. All right. Finally, uh, is there a stack or two that you've uh, kind of had your eye on that might be lesser owned in GPPs? Yeah. I think Daniel Jones might not be as heavily owned. But, again, this is early in the week, so we'll see. I think Evan Ingram, if he plays, will be really popular. So going away from Ingram or Barkley could be a really nice way to get contrarian. We'll see if Sterling Shepard clears the concussion protocol. Maybe Golden Tate's the play. Uh, also really heavy on T.Y. Hilton. And I don't think Jacoby Brissett will be on. So Jacoby Brissett to T.Y. Hilton is another stack that I like quite a bit. All right. That was Peter Jennings with his DFS thoughts for week seven. Okay, let's get to the wide receivers. The guys at the top of our rankings, we have Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, and Cooper Cup. You could make arguments for maybe three other wide receivers that you could put in there. Uh, a lot of guys near the top of the board. Jeff, is there anyone you think should be in the top three who isn't? I hinted at it earlier. It's like I almost feel like we have to have DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller priced the same or thought of the same anyway. Uh, I, I realize that no one's there yet and it's kind of – you have to force yourself to do it. It's not a natural way to look at that situation just because of Nuke's reputation and everything and uh, how many missed opportunities Fuller has had. But that's, that's the thing. Like Fuller's had so many opportunities. If he would have had – if he would have caught those – I'm sure you guys saw the, the three touchdowns last week that he missed, that he dropped, 
all of a sudden, like every single person is playing Will Fuller this week. He's six touchdowns in two weeks and massive yardage and, you know, record-breaking type two-game stretch there. And so why aren't we looking at it pretty close to the same right now? I mean, there's barely a difference between him catching those and not catching those and what we should be looking at projecting forward, right? So uh, 6,200 for Fuller. I know that's weird to say he should be in the top three, but I have him like 1A, 1B with Hopkins. I'd give the slight edge to Hopkins, but uh, Will Fuller to me is like one of the best wide receivers in, in football right now, especially for, for DFS, GPPs, and upside. Yeah, so you are fully on Fuller. Anyone else who is catching your eye this week? Out in Tate from Cincinnati is a guy that really stood out last week. If you were watching, um, he was just catching everything thrown his way. It was like Brandon Lloyd or something, or just every ball that was within his vicinity. He was catching spectacular catches. Tate is just, I think, one of those receivers that's going to end up catching some momentum as the season goes on, even as A.J. Green. There's talks of him coming back. I don't think he'll be back this week. He might. And that would lower my, my interest a little bit. But I still think he's going to be out there in, in three wide receiver sets and be getting a lot of the work. He got almost twice as many targets as Boyd last week. Yeah, I think he's going to be super contrarian going against Dax. Jacksonville has a lot of name values still. They're going to be throwing a ton. They always throw a ton. And he's cheap, 4500 for out in Tate. Okay, this is a little bit going off the rails here. But, Sean, I want to ask you a, uh, a quick question. AJ Green, what are the odds that he has played his last game as a Cincinnati Bengal? Uh, um, I would say less than 50%. I'd put it at like, I don't know, 25 to 30%. Yeah, I think that's right. I was yeah. like shooting from the hip, I would think around 15%, mm. but maybe, maybe a little bit more. Uh, okay. Uh, Sean, Auden Tate was mentioned. Anyone that you have uh, an interest in that you are relatively high on? Yeah, I like uh, DK Metcalf this week at 4.8K. Um, you know, he only gets four to six targets a game, but with Russell Wilson at QB, that's more than enough to hit value most weeks, um, especially with his skill set. And, you know, Will Disley's, um, unfortunately, you know, as he was gaming steam again this year, he suffers a season-ending injury. Um, so Metcalf is one of the players that could benefit from that, uh, seeing an increase in targets, especially in the red zone. Um, and that, that game in general is a great game to stack with the total of 50. Um, the other guy is DJ Chark. Um, I know we faded him last week uh, due to the matchup with Lattimore. Uh, he ended up putting up, you know, three catches for 43 yards, which is, you know, not terrible. Um, and we saw Amari Cooper and Mike Evans um, have, you know, pretty bad games against Lattimore. Uh, and then they had, you know, huge bounce back games. So I'm expecting a big bounce back game this week against Cincinnati. Um, so it's a great time to buy back in on Chark. I think he's the real deal. So if you can get him at 6K, and lower ownership this week, I think it's, it's a time to buy low again. Yeah, talking about Metcalf, uh, I mentioned earlier that Russell Wilson is always near the top of the league leaders in uh, end zone targets, and uh, Metcalf actually leads the league right now, I believe, with seven uh, end zone targets, and he could be getting even more now with Disley out. Yeah. So uh, a lot of potential touchdown goodness with him. Raybon, who are you relatively high on this week? Uh, I like John Brown a lot. Uh, he's kind of been quiet, had a tough matchup. I think it was against the Patriots a couple weeks ago. But uh, this matchup, again, this Dolphins matchup is just perfect for him. It's second worst in terms of their pressure rate. So Josh Allen going to have time to sit back, uh, let the deep route develop for Brown. And then uh, they're also the fourth worst team in, in terms of teams that are just targeting them, uh, average depth of target-wise, down the field uh, double in the double digits. So this just sets up perfectly uh, for a Brown smash spot. He's at 5,500 on DK. I think he's a good bet to exceed that 100-yard bonus. 
one of the things that's interesting is people still sometimes think of uh, Xavier Howard as a good, you know, quote unquote, shut down cornerback. And that has definitely not been the case this year. Uh, and so I'm expecting that he probably will be shadowing John Brown if he's even active this game. But yeah. if he's active, that he would be shadowing John Brown. And that could actually be a good thing. Uh, for Brown, Howard has allowed a 77.8% catch rate this season. Uh, so pretty exploitable spot for him. Uh, Jeff, who is someone you are relatively low on this week? Keenan Allen. And that's relative to my interest in, in Mike Williams, who's just had a lot of missed opportunities as well, kind of like Will Fuller, where he's getting a lot of deep targets and, and stuff and just not necessarily connecting with the target being a little bit off or him dropping the pass like we saw on, on Monday. So uh, Mike Williams, really high A dot. Keenan Allen playing out of the slot a lot, whereas his ADOT's higher than most slot guys, but um, it's just uh, right now, give me Mike Williams over Keenan Allen. I'll probably fade, fade Allen. Sean, any, uh, any thoughts on someone you are looking to fade? Uh, I'm low on and fading Terry McLaurin this week. Uh, I actually have him outside of my top 25. He's my wide receiver 28 uh, this week. I, I loved him last week. I had him in my top 20. I thought Case Keenum, when he was announced as QB, I bumped up McLaurin a bit. So it was good to see him pay off at the big game. Uh, but, you know, this week against the Niners, it's, it's a tough matchup. Um, and he's really the only weapon in the passing game right now. I mean, their second and third receiving your leaders last week were Jeremy Sprinkle, 24, and Adrian Peterson, 18. So I think a good defense like the 49ers will just realize, just shut down McLaurin and you're shutting down the entire offense. Um, so at 6,100 this week, after a big game, uh, I'm more than willing to fade him this week and then potentially jump back on next week. All right, Raybon, what about you? You know, this is the type of spot where we usually see these things swing back and forth. So, Stephon Diggs had, had a really big game last week. He, he had the three touchdowns, over 150 yards. So, I think Detroit, which is a underrated defense this year as well, uh, you know, when you looked at Detroit and their underlying metrics coming into that Green Bay game, it was like the wrong team was favored almost. So I think that they pay a lot of attention to, to Stephon Diggs this week. Um, Adam Thielen maybe has a, a bigger game. And, and like you guys mentioned, I think Dalvin Cook, uh, we might see him you know, return to getting six, seven, eight catches like he was earlier in the year. And I would expect that Darius Slay, uh, he played last night, so he seems to be healthy. I would expect he's playing this week, and I would expect him to shadow Diggs, uh, which is what he did last year in Week 16. Uh, Diggs was out for their Week 9 matchup last year, uh, but in Week 16, Slay tailed Diggs on 72.4% of the routes and held them to zero uh, receptions on four targets. Um, so not to say that we're going to see something like that again, but uh, Slay in the past has matched up pretty well against Diggs. Uh, someone I'm relatively high on, Michael Thomas. Uh, aggressively, I would say I have him ranked number one. I will probably be adjusting that, but he's still getting volume. He still leads the league in receptions. And I think the Bears' defense is no longer as imposing as it was last year. So uh, as long as he's still getting all of that volume, double-digit targets, uh, I feel confident uh, in him as a, a top three guy. Someone I'm looking to fade a little bit is Brandon Cooks. I think he has that good matchup, uh, high-scoring game, but he's just so volatile that I would think of him as more of a, uh, a GPP guy. So he clearly has that high upside, but uh, you could see a situation where Cooper Cup gets a lot of action. Uh, maybe the tight ends get in on the game plan a little bit. Robert Woods gets some action. And then at the end of the game, you have Brandon Cooks with three receptions for 50 yards. Uh, so just looking to, uh, to stay away from him a little bit. Sean, you mentioned uh, McLaurin. I think that your prop is related to him. Hit us with it. Yeah, so like I mentioned, I'm pretty Lauren McLaurin this week. Just curious where you guys are on his receiving yards. Um, so I have him right now at 61 and a half. 
under. I have him flat 60. Uh, and I, to be honest, I don't feel good about it because I think he's just one of those stars that um, he's probably just still breaking out. And I could see him, you know, if, they, if they're getting blown out, make a bunch of catches on, um, on zone coverage and get over it. But uh, my projections have him right at 60 right now, so I'll take the under. Just on a side note, where do you have Case Keenum's passing yards? Because I, I have him super low this week. Yeah, uh, checking right now. I have Case Keenum. At, yeah, yeah, he's my number 27. I, yeah, 230 flat. 230, I'll take the under on that. Uh, I think I'd have to go over. Actually, I thought for sure I was going to say under to this, but it's just so low. Um, I'm super, super high on the, the Niners defense and everything. But uh, road game here um, in Washington for the Niners defense. Last week, uh, I talked about heading into that week is basically going to be a home game for them, uh, right? But they don't get that advantage here. And McLaurin's just the only guy they have to throw to. So it's a bet that I would – feel really ugly about you know taking the over against uh the Niners on on any prop but probably have to go slightly over for McLaren yeah I'm going under and ironically I would still take the under on the yardage prop for Case Keenum which just makes me feel really nasty to be going over on the receiver and under on the quarterback but uh, McLaurin has just seen such a high percentage of the team's targets and uh like market share of air yards especially um, that, uh, yeah, I think he can get there in a couple of ways. Either he has, you know, uh, one really long reception and then that's supplemented with just a couple of short ones or he gets there uh, in garbage time. Um, so I'll, I'll take the over, but uh, like Jeff, I don't feel especially good about it. Yeah, and I, I'm thinking his player prop at Sportsbooks, once they start posting those, will be closer to like 68 and a half, yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah, that is almost exactly where I have it, so... Um, I'm, I'm the fish that's aligned with the, the books on their props. Um, all right, let's get into tight ends. Uh, the clear big three in our rankings this week, we have Kelsey, Evan Ingram, George Kittle. I believe all three of us have those three in the top three uh, with a pretty big tier break after that. But uh, Jeff, where are you on tight ends? Do you think there's anyone else who should be included in that top group? I think Ingram's going to be the chalk, assuming he's healthy. So that's like kind of the clear number one. And I uh, can't really argue with any of those guys in the top three. The guy that I would like maybe right after that would be Waller going up against Green Bay. is just getting such a huge percentage of those targets overall. We already talked about the game script where we expect Green Bay to be leading that game, a touchdown favorite at home. Um, Waller, to me, is probably going to be like the – somewhat overlooked guy in that top tier of, of tight ends. I don't think people are going to feel super comfortable about paying 4700 for Darren Waller when in reality, like he, he deserves that price tag. So I like him. Any thoughts on Hunter Henry? Uh, I mean, I wasn't even expecting last week at the beginning of the week that he was even in consideration for playing. And then in the middle of the week, it, it turns out that, uh, yeah, he's, he's possible to play. Uh, I think everyone thought he was going to be rather limited and he had a really good game. Uh, so what are your thoughts on him? He might be the second most popular guy, if I had to guess. Um, this week in DFS, he's just way underpriced at 4K on DraftKings. So... Uh, going up against Tennessee, I don't think necessarily the best matchup, but it's not uh, one you, you need to be scared of or anything. Uh, so, yeah, 4K for him is is got just way more upside for anyone in that range. You're talking about guys like Jimmy Graham and, and Eric Ebron. Of course, Hunter Henry is uh, a better play than those guys. 
Yeah, I agree. I'm relatively uh, aggressive on him as well in our rankings. And I do think the the matchup with Tennessee is underrated and that people uh, kind of think of that uh, that pass defense against tight ends as being better than it is. Uh, but it, it really hasn't um, lived up to expectations against high-quality tight ends this year. Uh, Sean, anyone that you are relatively high on this week? I mean, as usual, uh, Austin Hooper's underpriced, but I won't, I won't toot his horn again this week. I'm going to go with the flyer uh, this week, Dawson Knox, 3.3K. So you're not really asking much for a tight end at that price. Uh, but he's looked really good the past few games. He's been gaining momentum. He's a rookie, so you expect him to you know, take a year to get used to the NFL game speed. But, you know, he's really good, um, and he had a bye week. So he's going to be you know, pretty low on people's radar. I mean, he kind of reminds me of Mark Andrews last year where we're going to see some games where he puts up like two catches for 65 yards and a touchdown. Um, And this week against the Dolphins, um, you know, he's he's been getting, you know, three to five targets. So if he breaks a big uh, touchdown here, he'll hit at that price. And I think he'll be lowly owned. So, you know, he's a guy I'm mostly betting on talent here. Um, But, you know, anytime you're digging down deep in the trash heap of tight end, um, you, you can't expect much, but a guy like Knox, I, I think his upside is worth uh, taking a flyer on. It is sacrilegious to compare Dawson Knox to Mark Andrews, but I'm going to let it slide. Rookie um, Mark Andrews. Yes. Not uh, sophomore. Even, <laughs> even rookie Mark Andrews. True. Uh, but okay. Rayvon, who are you relatively high on? Uh, I love Noah Fant this week, the rookie tight end for the Broncos on the Thursday night uh, slate. Kansas City has been the uh, essentially the predominant tight end funnel. Uh, both Fells and Aikens were, were popping in my model uh, last week as well. And, and now Fan is kind of running off the charts. And so I like him. And I also like uh, Fells in that Indianapolis game because even when QT and Stills have both been healthy, Houston has just been playing a lot more two tight end looks where both Fells and Jordan Aikens are running over 50% into the 60% in terms of their routes uh, uh, per dropback. So um, this looks like something that, that that's just a part of their offense now. Sometimes they'll go empty uh, and do it that way. But uh, either way, you know, on a position where you're really just looking for a touchdown or bust from anyone outside the top eight or nine, and, and we talked about how, you know, highly we think of Deshaun Watson. Uh, this Colts defense has been a tight end funnel since Eberflus took over. Uh, they, you know, they, they kind of play back in zone, and they've just been giving up a ton of uh, production uh, funneling it away from the wideouts and, and toward the tight end for about a year and a half now. So like Fells uh, and like Noah Fant. Rayvon, in our rankings, you I'm sure you're aware of this. You are number 10 on Fant, and I'm number 23. Sean is number 24. So you are uh, really planting a flag on him for this week. Yeah, like he just so, you know, I, I, I adjust my model and it, it gets more confidence in because defensive matchups, you can never put too much weight in them, especially early in the year. But as, it, as the season goes on, you kind of, you're kind of adjusting and getting more confidence in that. And at the same time, I'm just looking at his routes run. With tight ends, it's really important because not many tight ends run that many routes. Like Tyra Eifert, I think we talked about, he's not running routes. So, you know, tough, tough for a guy like that to consistently uh, produce. So outside of that top 10, it's kind of just dart throws, and uh, I, I feel good about Fant this week. Yeah, I agree with you there. Running lots of routes, playing lots of snaps, a, a good situation for him that should be getting better as uh, he gets more NFL experience. Jeff, who is someone you are relatively low on this week? I might. And I think uh, Kittle deserves to be in the, the top three raw points and everything, but uh, that's a guy that in DFS – I would probably end up fading just because when you're that highly priced and you're in a game like this where you can see the Niners totally blowing out Washington, Kittle's been banged up this 
he ended up playing through injury against uh, the Rams in a divisional game, really strong opponent, but on the road right after that against Washington, a team they probably expect to run over might be a good opportunity to not play him as many snaps. And we saw against Cincinnati when they were blowing Cincinnati out, they took Kittle out and they put Toy Lolo in there a lot more and, and everything. So we've seen it before and uh, I would be afraid of that again here for, for Kittle against Washington. All right, Sean, I'm relatively low on Ebron. I think of him as uh, a, a player who is too dependent on touchdowns, too inconsistent. I believe that you are also relatively low on him. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so his ECR right now, I believe, is tight end 15, um, and he's priced 3900 on DK. And that's sort of in the streamer discussion. Um, but, you know, I have him as my tight end 20 right now. I don't consider him a, a streamer option. Um, one of the concerning trends we saw was uh, last game, week five, Mo Ali Cox outsnapped him. Um, so this is essentially a three-way tight end committee, which I want to avoid completely. Um, and they're, they're going up against the Texans this week, who've actually held three really good uh, tight ends in check the past three games. They, they held uh, Greg Olson at two catches and five yards, Austin Hooper six catches and 56 yards, which is incredible to hold Austin Hooper to that low of a line. Uh, and I'm just kidding. And then Travis Kelsey, uh, four catches for 58 yards. So, you know, I'm avoiding this uh, three-headed uh, tight end committee for the Colts uh, for the time being. Raybon, who are you fading? So Jimmy Graham, uh, that's a guy who, you know, it's just kind of been ugly with him. You know, he worried a little bit about how well he's running. And, um, it, you know, even in situations where you would think that he would be able to be a bigger part of the offense than he is, um, he hasn't really uh, produced that much. I think we all remember that, that catch that he had, the touchdown on the first week of the season against the Bears. And it's just mostly been downhill uh, for Graham from there. So uh, not really a guy I'm too excited about, uh, especially as the season wears on. And I think a guy like him at this age, uh, I think it's just tough for him to keep getting up week after week. And they're on a short week coming off the Monday night football game. So when he dropped that touchdown uh, earlier in the game, I could read uh, Aaron Rodgers' lips. He was, he was basically saying that was bad. (laughs) (laughs) If you go back and watch, he's like, that was bad. He's dropped (laughs) touchdowns in, I think like three games this year. Primetime games. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. it's bad. It's bad. Um, okay, Sean, give us the prop. So Evan Ingram has the, the glorious matchup against the Cardinals this week. Unfortunately, we don't know if he's even healthy, but um, I want to do a prop for his DK points. Um, right now, I have it at uh, over under 14, exactly. I'll take the over. And this is obviously contingent that he plays, but I'll take yeah, the over. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah, just over. That's a good line. Um, but, but just over. I mean, it's this game – you know, he has a variety of avenues. I think he is healthy enough. And the Giants, you know, they have, they, they ha- they're going to have Tate, Ingram, Barkley. But, again, Cardinals have been giving up tons of production to the tight end. So. It's a pretty good line. Uh, I think he I mean, probably averages more than that if he played this 10 times. But I, I'd probably go under. But I, I wouldn't feel good about that. Good. That's what I like to hear. All right, Sean, congratulations <laughs> on balancing the action yes. there as much as you can. Uh, let's get to some of the Twitter fantasy questions that we have. Uh, the first one, Jeff, it's for you. It's from Camille Sultan. Is Stefan Diggs a perfect sell-high candidate? I think so. I mean, they don't even uh, – he's not even out there a ton uh, anyway. They run a lot of extra tight end sets and stuff. And, you know, last week he played a season low 63% of the snaps, I think. Um, 
had a huge game and all that, but this is a team that I think still wants to identify as a, a run first team. We'll see. I could be wrong about that. I said that heading into last week and Diggs had a monster game, but I, w- I would be selling on, on Thielen and Diggs and, and everyone that passed the game. Cousins, if you can get someone to buy on, on Cousins, yeah, all those guys. Yeah, totally agree. First game last season that he had uh, at least eight targets, so uh, not going to be someone who gets a lot of volume moving forward. Sean, this is from Michelle Ann. If Cooper sits this week, do you go with Sanu or Alan Lazard? All right. Well, first off, let's pump the brakes on Alan Lazard. Um, just, just <laughs> wait, because it's, wait, it's what do you have too, against what do no, you have against actually, Iowa State? Yeah, it's just it's too early in the week to make a decision like that because we don't know if Devontae Adams will return this week. Draw Allison uh, might be out this week. He suffered that concussion. I, I think he hurt something else too. Um, and MBS was got banged up as well. So you know, if two or three of those guys sit out this week, then yeah, Lazard might be in play. Uh, but for now, you know, let's hold off on that. And Sanu, um, I, I guess I'd want to know if if you're heavily favored in your matchup. Yeah, sure, you want to play a guy like Sanu because guaranteed to get you a handful of points. Uh, but if you're an underdog, um, then yeah, a guy like Lazard, if these guys get ruled out, um, he probably has more upside, and I would consider them. But it's way too early to make that call this week. So check our updated rankings um, once we have more info. Yeah, or the third alternative of trying to find someone else on waivers. That that also is an option. Uh, Raybon, this is from Ron Gill. Should I trade Nick Chubb and for who in full PPR? You know, I think you probably can get like a King's Ransom form, but the problem at this point is that like you're going to need somebody with such a good roster that why would they be trading with you? Because like, I think you only want like other RB1s, wide receiver ones, like a package deal, uh, like a Kelsey, something like that. And I just don't know if people are going to have it. But I mean, the, if you do look ahead a little bit, the matchups aren't as easy. Then the buy comes and then, you know, Kareem Hunt is back. We don't know exactly how that's going to affect him. Freddie Kitchens just hasn't been that great of a coach, in my opinion, makes a lot of weird decisions. So, I mean, Chubb is killing right now and I could see him just like randomly you know, giving Kareem Hunt like 10 carries a game. So you could, but you have to get a King's ransom for him. Jeff, this is from James Thompson. Thoughts on Sony Michelle? Is he a sell high candidate? I mean, if you can get someone to buy high on Sony Michelle, yeah. I mean, absolutely. He's slowly like getting decent amount of the the rushing market share, but like that's without Rex Burkhead and Rex Burkhead will be back soon. Um, their rookie they drafted hasn't been a factor all year. And I'm not even sure that he will be a factor, but just keep in mind that that's another thing that could happen to, to eat into Sony Michelle's workload. James White hasn't even got much of the, the carries. Um, he could get more involved there. So yeah, it's only downhill for Sony Michelle from here, I think. All right, Sean, this is from William Ingram. My wide receivers are decimated, a 14-team PPR. Uh, Amari, Devontae, and Hollywood, all of those guys have injury issues. Should I trade one of my banged-up wide receivers for some instant relief at the position, or should I take my lumps for a week or two? I would lean towards taking uh, your lumps for a week or two. If you know, you're like 5-1 and one or 4-2, and two, definitely don't sell assets just for a couple week sugar high. And I don't even know who you'd be targeting, but uh, a 14 14- team early PPR, you know, it's good to have that wide receiver depth. You know, you don't want to open up a hole in your third wide receiver slot. So I'd be willing to just take a flyer. You might not like it, but take a flyer on like a Zach Pascal, Duke Williams, or Keyshawn Johnson type, you know, and hope that they put up a good game. Uh, but you don't want to open up a hole in your um, wide receiver core where, you know, you need to have a guy like that every week. Um, so just just take a couple flyers um, and hopefully all three of these guys returns. 
Raybon, next question for you is from George Moat. I have Darren Waller, Hunter Henry, and Pat's defense. Do I package two of them and stream a defense? Uh, and then roughly, what can I expect in return? I would not trade the Pats defense. I know it seems like this is a perfect time, but in reality, you know, they're playing the Jets and they're playing the Browns. And, and those are two teams that could be very generous to them. And they're averaging, essentially, I was tweeting about this. They're averaging like the points of like a, a running back at this point. So I, I, don't, I just don't think you want to trade that. I think the guy that stands out is Hunter Henry because we only have seen him a couple of times this season. And one of the times we see him, he puts up 100 yards, a couple of touchdowns. It's on a primetime game. That production is is unlikely to continue at that level, even if he is going to be a tight end one. So I think he's really the guy that stands out that you can sell up the highest on. Whereas Waller, uh, I think he's going to – he plays like every snap. He just gets a boatload of targets because Carr doesn't like to throw down the field. So I would keep Waller and keep the pats and try to sell high on Henry while the well, strike while it's hot. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I think you uh, could trade Henry, maybe trade someone else in another position and look to upgrade at uh, running back or wide receiver. Jeff, this is from Dan Rodriguez. What's Devin Singletary's fantasy outlook upon his impending return? Uh, that's, that's a pretty good question. It's a, a little tough to project because I think people were expecting a lot more involvement in just uh, rushing attempts, and he, he didn't really get that. But we saw in the, the first game he played, he got a lot of catches. So there's some pretty good matchups for him coming up. The Dolphins, the, the, the Bills play twice in the next five games. So uh, he's a guy that I, I have interest in. I, I think he's going to have some upside, certainly a flex type play for you in, in season long. And um, in DFS, he's going to be really cheap. So maybe an opportunity to play, play him some in tournaments. Jeff, this is from FDM NFL. What is your outlook on Odell Beckham Jr. and Aaron Jones for the rest of the season? I would say I'm more positive on Odell Beckham, but um, – Full disclosure, I'm kind of a sucker for him. I, I bet him to lead the league in receiving yards, and that's not going to hit, I don't think. Um, so uh, 28% of the target so far this year, it's maybe a, a little low than a lot of people would have projected him for, but it's still really, really good. It just comes down to, is Baker Mayfield going to start playing better or not, I think. So uh, I think Odell Beckham is is a guy that I'd still be willing to to buy on. Whereas Aaron Jones, I, I talked about it a little bit already. Jamal Williams worries me a little bit. The, the fact that uh, Aaron Jones struggled in his last game where Jamal Williams just looked really, really good and actually ended up getting more touches overall. So I would probably try to sell Aaron Jones for a, a guy getting a lot more work. I don't know if you could get a, a Josh Jacobs or something like that, but I think that's around what his value's at. All right, Sean, final question here. This is from Michael Balch. I'm thin at wide receiver. Could Duke Williams be a good pickup rest of season? Now, Sean, before you say anything, I want to remind you that Duke Williams was a five-star junior college recruit <laughs> entering four-year college. And then last year, he was the number one receiver in the CFL. So, you know, there is some potential there with him. I say this as someone who just picked him up in Dynasty and desperately want him not to suck. What are your thoughts on Duke Williams? Yeah, there can be upside there based on talent alone. But, you know, this Bills offense, you know, he's going to be behind John Brown, probably Cole Beasley, even, you know, Dawson Knox and Devin Singletary will get their share. So, you know, you're talking about the third to fifth option on a team that really doesn't throw much. So I, I don't see as much upside there. Um, it really depends how thin your wide receiver and how thin the waiver wire is. If he's the top available ranked guy right now, then sure, pick him up. But I wouldn't treat that slot as like some long-term investment. Just every week, take the top available guy, and then if they catch fire, keep him. Um, but that, that isn't really a situation where I'm trying to, you know, try to win the league with a long-term investment. So Duke Williams, yeah, I mean, the talent's there, but 
um, just this offense, you, you don't want to be investing in the fourth or fifth option potentially. All right, that's some uh, Duke Williams cold water for everyone. Jeff, what content should people check out at Numberball? We do uh, podcasts, we do articles and live shows every week. My featured article comes out on Saturdays and we're, we're actually doing a, a live show on Saturdays now too. We used to do a live show on Sundays, but moved it to Saturday so that more people could check it out. And then we also do a bunch of prop bets and, and sides on NumberBet, the sister site to NumberBall. And on that site, I also do a podcast on my picks in the Super Contest, Super Contest Gold in the Circa Millions. So it's just a little bit of everything, a few different angles. People can catch some content. All right, everyone, be sure to follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff K. Collins. Jeff, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks, guys. That was fun. All right, you can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore oddsmaker, Chris Raybon, and Matt F. The Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. That is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network podcast. Check out the rest of our episodes and live shows this week. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, radio.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you again next episode.